Welcome to AmiSites, a podcast that offers you access to thought leaders who can help you expand your entrepreneurial toolbox. Learn from seasoned entrepreneurs who have already walked in your shoes and can help you with your day-to-day business decisions. With your host, Ami Kassar. Ami is the founder and CEO of Multifunding, an advisory company that helps you grow and stay in control of your business. Hello and welcome. My name is Ami Kassar, founder and CEO of Multifunding. Since 2010, Multifunding has helped businesses achieve their biggest growth goals through creative and personalized funding solutions, working with hundreds of lenders across the nation. Joining us today is my friend, Eric Weaver. In 1992, Eric founded what is now the nation's leading small and micro business lending CDFI Opportunity Fund, now Axion Opportunity Fund. When Eric stepped down in CEO in 2017, Opportunity Fund had over 100 employees in a small business loan portfolio under management over $100 million. Our main topics will focus on access to capital to the underserved, what's going on and what's changing. Welcome, Eric. Thanks, Ali. Great to talk to you. Tell me everything. <laughs> well, oh, um, yeah, I've been uh, working in the space of small business lending, specifically CDFI, small business lending for virtually my whole career uh, after getting out of business school. And, um, you know, it, it, it's been a long journey, 30 years now. I stepped down as CEO in 2017, as I mentioned, we were at that time, we had a portfolio over, under management over $100 million. And that's with an average loan size of like $30,000 with the vast majority of the loans going to low-income entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs of color, women entrepreneurs. Since then, it's only taken off further. My successor, Luz Rutia, has continued to really grow the company and responded incredibly to the pandemic. We can talk about you know what that's meant for small business lenders generally and, and especially for CDFI small business lenders. You know, I'm really excited at all the attention that's now going to the issue of, you know, getting capital to underrepresented small business owners, particularly black and brown entrepreneurs. And there's a lot of money coming into the space and amounts never seen before. I'm also a little worried. I'm worried that CDFIs may not have the capacity to actually invest all this money in, in certainly in a, in a very rapid way. and, and Possibly not at all. So there's there's some real concerns about how do we get the field, you know, to a greater capacity and scale quickly to respond to this moment that we're finally, you know, the, the government, the corporations, the foundations, everybody's kind of like saying, yes, it's, now is the time to invest in these businesses that have historically been denied access to capital. So, Eric, let's... Let's peel back the onion a little bit and then rebuild it back up. So help the listeners understand, if you don't mind, what the macro issue is. Well, I think the the macro issue is systemic racism and sexism. That's the macro issue. That you have communities that, you know, through public policy, uh, as well as just flat out, you know, racism that's at the individual level or the whatever level, but have been, you know, denied the ability to accumulate wealth. They've been denied mortgages, they've been denied business loans, they've been denied, you know, good paying jobs, all kinds of things that are what people, you know, what white people have used to accumulate wealth. And once you accumulate some wealth, that's then an asset that you can leverage in 
in the case of, you know, a small business, you know, in building a business, you can take out a loan against your home equity. You can borrow money or get investments from friends and family who also have wealth. And um, that gives you a leg up in building further wealth. Meanwhile, you got people who, you know, maybe came to this country in bondage, were property for, for a long time. And then even when they stopped being property, were still, you know, denied any kinds of, all kinds of opportunities, especially around things like housing and education, small business, college. And, you know, they're still playing catch up. It's, it's, the problem is, is certainly not gone away. I mean, the, the discrepancies are, you know, in the news every day. And, and it's, you know, it's true for women as well. It's, it's, it's a little, it's a different issue, a different nature, but in the end of the day, there's been a lot that's held women back from accumulating wealth as well. And so, you know, when you want to become an entrepreneur, you're, you know, for most endeavor, there are some that you can sort of bootstrap just on the revenues, but in general, you're going to need to invest some money up front or you're going to need ongoing credit to, to operate the business. That's the macro problem. I know the answer to this, but I'm going to ask you the question. Yeah. Someone wants to start a business. Why don't they just go to their bank? Well, they often do. Sometimes, well, if they do, and they are someone who might have had some challenges paying bills in the past, uh, maybe medical bills, maybe car repairs, you know, things that, that if you're living on a very thin margin, you know, can, can get you behind. Not, not due to any lack of character, just due to life circumstance. So they, their credit may not be in impeccable shape. They um, don't own a home, don't have anything to put up as collateral in the form of a home, might, might have a used vehicle, something like that. And, um, you know, they, yeah, so they're, they're going to get denied a loan. You know, you're going to be told, you know, you, you might qualify for like a business credit card, but your credit score is not good enough. You might have qualified for a home equity loan, but you don't have a home. And, you know, if you're just starting out, you don't have a track record either. You have nothing, you know, for us to look at to base this on. So you're going to get told no. And a lot, a lot of folks in communities of color won't even go to the bank because they just know they're going to be told. They, it wouldn't even occur to them that they would be told yes by a bank. And so a bank's not really an option. Um, banks have convinced all of us that they are simply unable to lend money to small businesses needing small amounts of money is owned by people who have less than perfect credit. I don't think that's true, but that's what they've, they've convinced us all. And so all they can do is, you know, invest money in CDFIs or give money and what have you. I think that's not true. And I think, you know, if we really, really wanted to address this problem at scale, we would find ways to require the banks to make some of these loans. And I have some, some thoughts on that, but the, honestly, I don't see that as happening anytime soon with the power of the bank lobby. So Eric, what's a CDFI? CDFI is a really awkward acronym that was developed under the, when Bill Clinton was in office, when he ran for president, he, he had a promise he was gonna create a hundred community development banks, like the South Shore Bank in Chicago was the famous example. So this was a regular bank that took deposits and had deposit insurance and all that, but it had a mission of community economic development. And so we made this promise and then a lot of people in the field, there were already a lot of what are now called CDFIs. It stands for Community Development Financial Institution. 
And they said, wait, community development banks are great, but they're not the only tool. We have all these nonprofit loan funds. We have community development credit unions. Uh, we even have some venture capital funds that are you know, doing this kind of investing. So let's create a broader term so that we can encompass all of the different ways financial institutions are investing into low-income communities in a beneficial way. And so these, this term CDFI was coined and they actually created a fund within the treasury department that makes annual grants to organizations that have been certified as CDFIs. You have to certify, you have to show the government that your primary mission is community development. And if you pass that test, then you're eligible to apply for these grants and you can get them as, you know, some CDFIs get them almost every year. It's a, but it's, you know, it's a very competitive process. That's what, a, so CDFIs, some of them do small business lending. A lot of them do lending for affordable housing. Some of them do consumer lending, lending for nonprofit facilities. But I, my, my sort of specialty over the years has been on the small, the micro lending side, really. So how do I find one of these things if I want some money? Yeah, um, they're often not as, well, I mean, the, there's an organization called the Opportunity Finance Network based in, Phil well, no, no, it's based in D.C. It moved. And they have a CDFI locator on their website. There's also a website for the CDFI fund, which is a part of Treasury. It's just cdfifund.gov. And you can go there and find lists of all the CDFIs, you know, by state or, well, mainly by state. And uh, it'll also, you can find what kind of lending they do. So, yeah, you want to look for a CDFI and, your, you know, your, it covers your market area. You know, see if they offer the kind of lending product you want. Most of them are quite small. They do, you know, maybe in the case of business lenders, they might do 30, 40, 50, 100 loans a year. A few of them have kind of broken through and are doing a lot more lending. Opportunity Fund is, Axion Opportunity Fund is doing like 3,000 loans a year. Lift Fund in Texas does in the thousands. So does a group called Ascendus, A-S-C-U-N-D-U-S, and um, Greenspring are some of the, the bigger ones. Is that where I go for an SBA loan? Well, yes and no. Most SBA lending is done by banks. Banks make loans that are eligible for the SBA to guarantee under what's called the 7A program. There are also SBA 504 loans, which are for large purchases of real estate generally. And those are handled by a whole different kind of entity. But if you're looking for sort of a straight ahead small business loan, you would go to a bank and ask about a 7A loan. They probably wouldn't really want to talk to you if you wanted less than, I know you know this better than I do, I mean, what, $150,000, something like that. But if you wanted a smaller loan, some CDFIs participate in something called Community Advantage, which is just like the 7A program. The SBA provides a guarantee to the lender that enables them to make the loan and have less risk and be able to sell it on the secondary market. But then there's, a, um, and again, you're, you're gonna have to be pretty high quality credit to qualify for one of those, and it's not gonna be fast. The, the, the terms are good, pricing's good, the length of the term is good, but it's not gonna be fast. If you want an even smaller loan, the SBA does have a microloan program that it runs through CDFIs. And that's really just where the SBA is lending money to CDFIs for them to relend and it's giving the CDFI some grant money. It's also capping the amount of interest the CDFI can charge and things like that. But, you know, whether you get a, an SBA microloan or, or a regular microloan, you know, the only difference might be 
the pricing. Are products, letting products consistent across CDFIs or are they all different? They're, the answer is kind of yes and no. What's consistent is that almost all CDFIs are offering just a basic term loan. They're not offering lines of credit. They're not offering, you know, factoring or, um, I mean, they're, you know, they're, they're not offering merchant cash advances. They're just offering a straight term loan. You know, you borrow a certain amount of money, you pay it back over X number of years, monthly payment. And that way they're all the same, but their credit standards vary wildly. You know, some of them will lend money to startups, like real startups. Others, like my Axion Opportunity Fund, will only lend to you if you've got a year in business. Some will want even longer. Their pricing can vary. Um, you know, if they're using the SBA microloan program, their pricing is capped at, I don't know, it's, uh, I don't even know what it is right now. It's probably around 7% right now, maybe. Whereas some CDFIs, ours included, charge significantly higher rates for certain borrowers, uh, but not nearly as high as merchant cash advances or other sort of low cost, no, sorry, high cost uh, short-term lenders that are out there. So like Opportunity Fund, you could get a loan with an APR in the 20s uh, if it was a small loan and if there were certain risk factors, which again is like way, way lower than you're gonna get from a merchant cash advance provider, but it sounds very high. and. You know, we have a lot of interesting conversation with funders and others about what are, where, where is the magic number of what's okay to charge in terms of small business interest. So what the heck is going on in the Biden administration in this whole space right now? Yeah, um, I am I'm not an insider. I've, I've tried to sort of get some window into what's going on with, with the SBA, but I haven't been successful. Our organization didn't really use SBA programs, so we, you know, we're not on the, you know, sort of on the inside. Um, the, you know, there's there are definitely a couple of efforts afoot to try to look at how the SBA could, you know, be reformed or modernized. I've applied to be on a couple of commissions, haven't heard anything. So I, I know there's there's talk. You know, the, the reality is, I'm sure you've covered this in the podcast in the past. The SBA guarantees very, very few loans to minority-owned or women-owned companies. It's it's quite, I mean, it's a little better than banks do on their own, but it's not great. And so the under Biden, I know that the SBA really, really wants this to change. They've announced some kind of direct lending program, but I don't know the details of it. Maybe you do. It'll be interesting to see what comes to that. Big problem with the SBA is that they rely on banks as their delivery system, and banks just aren't in these communities, they're not lending in these communities. Eric, how much is the need for money and how much is the need is for mentoring and guidance and advice? Um, well, I guess I would say that pretty much, I mean, both are in, are in high need, obviously. I mean, and anyone, myself included, could benefit from high quality advice. And especially if your business is struggling, you know, you could, you could benefit more. Not everyone is in need of money. I mean, there are businesses that don't are not in need of borrowing right now, but there are plenty that are. There, we we've estimated about an eighty billion dollar sort of shortfall in demand for loans under a hundred thousand dollars by businesses in the U.S. So both are are, are very much needed, and it, it's case by case. I mean, and I th I think there's there's been kind of a a um, 
I don't call it a myth, but just sort of a a comfortable story that everyone's kind of adopted in the CDFI world that, you know, every small business needs both money and advice, and they shouldn't really get the money unless they also get advice. And so, you know, they should come to you and sort of maybe attend some workshops and maybe even a class and get help writing a business plan, and then they'll get some money. And that's not the, the way the real world, world works. Most business owners, you know, when they perceive that they want or need money, they want it and they want it soon. And they're, they're not going to like come and attend a bunch of classes unless, you know, they're in that mode of I want to start my business very cautiously and slowly and carefully. Most of them are like, you know, my oven just broke, so I need money. And if you tie that loan to business advice, they're going to go elsewhere regardless of whether they actually could benefit from some good advice. So I'm a big fan of making it possible for people to get money without the advice. I mean, if, if they can handle it, making the advice and training available to them so they know it's there and, you know, being ready to offer it whenever, you know, somebody's open to it. But I think it's a mistake to, to tie them together in such a way that somebody who needs money fast you know, isn't able to get it. That's not going to help their business. Eric, so there's this informal or formal network of CDFIs. Some of them, I think, are in the business of giving advice and some aren't. Some of them are just in the business of giving money. Mm -hmm. Is there a network of places where entrepreneurs or budding entrepreneurs can come for mentoring or help? Is there any network like that? There are a few places. There are what are called... SBDCs, small business development centers that are funded by the SBA and located all over the country, usually often inside of like a junior college or some kind of educational institution. I mean, they're the quality of what they provide varies wild, wildly, widely or wildly. There are, there are some that, you know, provide really high quality uh, assistance and others that, you know, seem to just be sort of putting butts in seats, you know, that the way they're, the way they operate and the way they're funded is, is in my opinion, not really conducive to creating really dynamic organizations because you've got an organization that's basically got a single government funder from whom it gets a reliable payment every year. And in order to get that payment, it has to achieve outputs, but not outcomes. So it has to provide X, hours of advice, you know, per year or serve X number of entrepreneurs, but it's, there's not really any accountability for what happens. At least with lending, you know, whether you got paid back. So, but that said, there are some very good SBDCs. It just requires, you know, doing your research and there might even be more than one, you know, in your market and you could figure out which one has, you know, better reputation. Other organizations, there's an organization called SCORE, also tied to the SBA Service Corps for Retired Entrepreneur Executives, and that's retired business people. Again, you know, quality is all over the map. And then there are, there are lots of other nonprofits, you know, that are not specifically, oh, there are women business centers funded by the SBA. There are minority business centers funded by the Commerce Department. And then there are also just some standalone ones, and they can often be the best ones if they're actually having to sort of hustle to raise money from a lot of different places, they, they might have more of a focus on, on impact. But, and then there are things like Pacific Community Ventures operate something called 
businessadvising.org where you can go online and get matched up with an advisor. There's something called micro mentor that matches people up with mentors. That's my quick list. And of course there's multifunding, you know. If a listener says, wow, this world seems fascinating. I want to get involved in some capacity. I want to help entrepreneurs, whether it's on the mentoring or the guidance side or financing side, I just want to get involved in helping the underserved give back a little bit. Any ideas about where they start? Well, I mean, I, I, I think they should start with really, you know, trying to assess what they have to offer. So, you know, this is not, this is not Habitat for Humanity showing up and, you know, hammering some nails and having a good time and eating donuts and whatever, I mean, which is great. I mean, I, I, I packed meals at Meals on Wheels this week, last weekend. I mean, it didn't take any particular skill, did, did a good thing, but this, this requires expertise. This requires, you know, a specific kind of knowledge about how business works and how small business works. And so, you know, the person, if, if you want to be an advisor, you know, like, what do you have to offer? What do you what do you know? Do you know maybe you know technology? You can help them improve their online, con, you know, e-commerce stuff, or maybe you know marketing. You can help them, you know, get the name out. Whatever it is, and then a couple of those platforms I just mentioned, businessadvising.org, MicroMentor. Those might be places you could look to see about getting involved. You could investigate your local SCORE chapter if you're. I don't know if you literally have to be retired or not. I'm not sure how it works, but you know, find out whether there are opportunities there. Find your local CDFI and, uh, you know, see if they operate any kind of volunteer program. It's, it's not super common. To coordinate something like that is, is a is pretty complicated effort. So I wouldn't expect your local CDFI to have a volunteer program, but you might be surprised. Eric, you have shared tons of interesting wisdom and information all about this world with our listeners. I learn something new every time I speak with you. And thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Ami. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for joining us today on Ami Sites with your host, Ami Kassar, the foremost SBA thought leader. Make sure you visit us at multifunding.com where you can meet our advisory team and learn more about how we help entrepreneurs fund their future.